Matthew chapter 5, verse uh, 23. Matthew chapter 5, 23. Been on this series called Simplify. Uh, we've talked about a lot of things. Simplify to amplify. Simpl- in other words, simplify to hear God's voice. Um, simplify to multiply. Simplify to magnify. Simplify to modify. We've talked about priorities, hearing God's voice, time, finance. And I'm sure that you noticed, as I have, uh, the society that we live in is increasingly complicated. <laughs> life is, I mean, just trying to find a sense of balance in your life is complicated. Trying to, trying to do all the things you know you should do, trying to do all the things that you know that are good for you to do, are, are, sometimes can be complicated. And it seems like uh, the further our society goes along, and the things that have promised us a simpler life have increasingly complicated life. And so this morning I want to continue this series and then next week we'll finish it. One of the things that I have found that is really complicated is unforgiveness. When, when you and I embrace an offense and we hold on to a wound that someone has caused in our life, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but it, it is very complicated. Life begins to get heavier. The load that you carry continues to get heavier. When we embrace an, an, an offense and decide to hold on to it, we set into motion an entire chain reaction of issues in our life. Sometimes we choose to hold unforgiveness because in some emotional way we feel like that we're going to punish the person. You know, that, that uh, you can see this in children. They're just not as sophisticated at it as we are. I remember when one of our uh, sons was three years old, he looked at me and he said, I'm not going to be your friend no more. Where does it, you look at that little thing and say, I brought you into this world? What are you talking to? Not going to be your friend anymore. Where does that come from? It comes from a heart that's been defended that has held the offense and wants to make the other person pay. It's, it's unforgiveness. Somehow we feel emotionally that we're punishing the other person for what they did. We think we can just maintain our anger long enough that they'll pay for what they did. And our anger or our anger will somehow protect us from ever letting that person hurt us like that again. Unforgiveness is complicated. There's the emotional pain that's preserved inside our own anger. There's the internal wound that just won't seem to heal. Research, medical research is beginning to show and suggest a stronger and stronger link between unforgiveness and and a variety of sickness, physical sicknesses. Then there's the complication of avoiding the person. (laughs) You ever tried to avoid somebody? It's work, isn't it? And you know, I don't know what you call it. I don't know. Some people may call it God. I'm not sure. You just tend to run into them more often, don't you? I mean, they're there. You go grocery shopping and they're there. You get on the internet and their thing pops up and they're there. Go to the church and they're there. You go to the movie and they're there. You go to the restaurant, they're there. And you would swear they've cloned themselves and there's 15 of them. complication of avoiding dodging phone calls organizing your life 
around that person. Or at least dodging the real issue. If you're not dodging them physically, you may just dodge the issue. Pretend like there's not something between you when you know there is. The tension of balancing the internal pressure of wondering if you should have done more to resolve it. And feeling the sting of the offense. Then the years roll by, the issues wear on, and they get more and more complicated. You have to work harder and harder to deal with the issue because now there's so much history. And after, after a few years, you realize that moving and changing addresses or changing phone numbers or changing jobs or maybe even changing spouses hasn't helped. It hasn't helped because unforgiveness is in you. And everywhere you go, it goes with you. Most of us have seen those specials on TV or you've at least heard about them. Some, some field is, uh, a hole is dug in an empty field and toxic waste is, is put in a barrel and it's supposed to be sealed so that it'll never come out again. You know, like the Titanic was unsinkable. It's sealed so nothing will ever be able to get out and it's buried deep in the ground. And then 20 or 30 years later, some developer comes in and moves the dirt over and then he makes an entire neighborhood there and after the years go by strange symptoms begin to show up poison has gotten into the groundwater children begin to get sick people begin to uh, show higher and higher rates cancer appears or blindness or infant death and what we believed to have been buried and sealed in the ground forever has leaked out and seeped into the ecosystem And this is a perfect picture of unforgiveness. We bury it and bury it and bury it. And layer upon layer upon layer of living does not put us far enough away that it won't seep back in to the system. Unforgiveness is toxic. It is poison to the soul. It will poison you and harm you. And it continues to seep from as far back in your history as you want to, straight into the present and into the future. There's no bondage like the bondage of broken relationships. You know, loose ends make tight knots. If you don't invest and engage to tie those things up. So this morning, we've talked about in this series, Simplify... I want to share this message, simplify to detoxify. Really, I guess it should be called detoxify to simplify. But we'll stick with it. Simplify to detoxify. Unforgiveness is very complicated. And it is poison to our soul. Forgiveness is... Is simple. Now, probably you've already figured this out in all the messages we've shared in this series. I've never said simple is easy. People make a mistake and think that simple and easy are the same thing. Simple and easy are not the same thing. Look, just just try to become Tiger Woods. Put a ball on a tee, pull the club back, hit it, and drive it 400 yards. Isn't that simple? Are you here? That's not easy, is it? It takes a lot of practice. 
Hey, Michael Phelps, jump in the water, swim to the other end, and come back, win eight gold medals. It's not complicated, but it's not easy. Simple and easy are not the same thing. If you want to simplify your life, forgive and live in forgiveness. I think there's two basic reasons that we hold on to unforgiveness. One is we don't know what God says about it. I think that we don't, we don't, um, we don't, we don't grow in our understanding of what God says about it and, and the truth that he reveals about it and his priority in it. I think the other reason that we, we hold on to unforgiveness is we under, we misunderstand what forgiveness is. We think it's something that it's not. Now look at your Bible at Matthew chapter 23, uh, chapter 5, verse 23. What I want to do today is um, just, there's, there's a, a series of stories in this chapter that Jesus is telling that flows directly out of the Beatitudes. That, um, and these are like little illustrations, almost, of the Beatitudes. And I'm just going to grab one of them that he used this morning in 23 and 24. He says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you. Go to, go to 24. Leave your gift there in front of the altar... First, go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Now, let me just give you some of the background so you'll understand the picture that Jesus is drawing off of when he tells the story. The idea behind this story is an Old Testament sacrifice. And it's very simple. If you did something wrong, the wrong, that, the wrong thing damaged your relationship with God... And what you would do is you'd bring an animal to the altar to sacrifice it to God. And then your relationship with God would be restored in the Old Testament. Jesus is pulling off that Old Testament picture. If your sin was an accident, the animal sacrifice would be enough. If your sin was not an accident, it was done on purpose or out of rebellion. Sacrifice was never enough. You had to offer the animal sacrifice, confess your sin, and then turn away from it. There was one day a year that was the most powerful day of the year. It was called the Day of Atonement. It's when the priests would go into the temple for the entire nation. And everyone knew, though, that not even the Day of Atonement, as powerful as it was, could restore your relationship with God if you had not been reconciled in your human relationships. So let me give you an example of how this would have worked. If you stole something from someone... And then you went in and confessed that to the priest. The priest would, the priest would come in ready to bring the offering or the sacrifice to the altar on your behalf so that your relationship with God might be restored for breaking one of the Ten Commandments. But what he would say to you is, I'm not going to bring a sacrifice on your behalf until you first take what you stole and give it back. Take what you stole, give it back, come back again, I'll offer your sacrifice. And you'll be restored in your relationship with God. If it was discovered that the stolen item had not been returned, the sacrifice would be burned and destroyed. It would never be offered. So the priest would not accept the sacrifice until the person had returned what they owed or, or repaid the debt for what they owed. Here's one of the great points I want to bring out to you today. If you're taking notes, you'll want to write this down. This little two-verse illustration teaches us something about God 
that if you'll meditate on it a little while, it'll take you a long time to unpack it. Forgiveness is more important to God than worship. Now that, for us, for for the value and priority that we place on worship, and by the way, rightly so, that's a big statement to make. Forgiveness is more important to God than worship. If you realize someone has something against you, the Bible says, put your gift down. Leave it at the altar. Stop worshiping and go and reconcile. Our spiritual life always derails when we believe that we can disconnect our relationship with God from our relationship to people. When we can somehow think that what happens out here with the people that we know has nothing to do with what happens here between me and God, our spiritual life derails. It's it's a mistake. And it can be a toxic mistake. It can be a poisonous mistake. If in the times that we believe, and us Americans are very good at compartmentalizing, when we believe that we can just hold burning anger or violent emotions or stubborn unforgiveness and then we can come running in to God's presence and say, what does that have to do with my relationship with God? That's between me and them. That has nothing to do with me and God. But inside the kingdom, it doesn't work that way. Inside the kingdom, it works something like this. We, we, we have this, we have this, you know... We, we, we Worship's a big deal. And we've made it a big deal. And we've talked about it like it's a big deal. And we do it like it's a big deal. And it is a big deal. And so we, we bring this big, colorful gift. We, we, we come in and we say, God, I have this gift for you. I want to give you this present. I want to give you my worship. I want to give you honor. I want to give you, I want to put you first in my life above everything else. I want to honor you with my attitude, with my speech, with my words, with my life, with my action, with my job, with my marriage. Lord, I want to honor you. I bring this gift to you, Lord, and I lay it down and present it to you. Worship. And God says, I'll not accept it. Now think about that. I'll not accept that right now. Put it down. And first, go be reconciled with the person where unforgiveness exists. So as you churn through life, there gets to be that gnawing feeling inside that let's just avoid each other and let's pretend nothing's wrong and let's just keep the peace isn't working. But, but let me ask you a deeper question. Why isn't it working? Is it possible beyond just the fact that you're creating an inauthentic artificial relationship, is it possible that one of the reasons it's not working is because God won't let it work? 
Maybe it's not working because he is preventing it. Maybe it's not working because he's saying, we're going to shut this part off. There's going to be some restriction here. There's going to be some hindrance here until, until this is worked out. Maybe that's why those arrangements never work. Maybe that's why our best thinking, maybe that's why our best attempts, maybe that's why our, our most strategic ways of working around forgiveness never seem to work. Change jobs, move to another state. Determine in your heart of hearts that you will never become what your mom and dad were. And somehow, it just follows you, doesn't it? It catches up with you. It stalks you. It's there looking at you in the night. Waiting. God will continue to, to hinder. He will continue to restrict our worship until we reconcile. And then He will receive our worship again. And a mighty living stream will flow through your life. How much worship, I guess the question is... Will we waste? Think about what rejected worship must mean. Sing louder. Push harder. Thinking that maybe greater passion. Greater energy. Greater enthusiasm. That our worship will somehow be shoved into God's presence and accepted. Because we've done it so well. How much worthless worship will we offer? Worship that can only be heard by our own spirit. That has no other dimension to it. One-dimensional worship. You know what one-dimensional worship is? Worship that's offered when unforgiveness resides. We sometimes wonder why it feels like no one's listening. It may be that our, that our prayers and our connection to God is tangled up in the brokenness of our own relationships. In the kingdom... An unreconciled relationship is an emergency. We don't often feel that urgent about it, do we? We tend to withdraw and go, how am I, how, how, what am I going to do? But in the kingdom, Jesus says, worship, stop the train, pull the emergency brake. This whole thing's coming to a stop until this is fixed. Life in the kingdom is not going to go on until this is fixed. In the kingdom... Unreconciled relationship is an emergency. It's a crisis. We are to we are instructed by God to abandon even worship until we've done all we can do or are presently doing all we can do to restore the relationship. And then when and then when we've done and then when we've done all we can do, the, the, all this still is played out on a field where humans live. When we do all that we can do. Then it's almost like God says, all of that stuff that you thought was worship, that you were trying to shove into the kingdom around unforgiveness, all that's not even really what worship is. Now, you have a purified gift. Now bring that little gift that doesn't have all the trappings, doesn't have all the humanity, doesn't have all the flesh, doesn't have all the works, doesn't have all the guilt. You are free. You are free.
Now bring the purity of that little gift and bring it into His presence and it will be accepted. God will accept it. He has a different way of doing things than we do. This morning I wanted to share with you the other thought. Sometimes I don't think we know what God says about forgiveness. And sometimes I think we hold on to things because we misunderstand what forgiveness is. I find oftentimes it's easier to understand what something is by first understanding what it's not. Let me share with you what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not making an excuse for the person. I know sometimes we think it might be gracious to say, well, they didn't mean to. They were under a lot of pressure. You know, it wasn't really their fault. Well, if that's all true, they don't need to be forgiven. If that's all true, no forgiveness is necessary. They didn't do anything wrong. But then you, have, then you have to back the issue up and say, then why do I feel this way if they didn't do anything wrong? Well, maybe they didn't. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's me. On the other hand, maybe you're just making excuses. But excuses, excuses aren't the same thing as forgiveness. Excusing something isn't forgiving it. Excusing something is trying to come up with a good reason on why they did it and why they don't need to be forgiven. Forgiveness is not an excuse. Forgiveness, despite what a popular cliche might say, is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not forgetting. The truth is, you and I can't really ever forgive someone for something we can't remember. It's the things that I remember that I need to forgive people for. Right? How about you? It's the things that I remember. It's the things that you remember. It's the things that won't go away. It's the things that torture your mind. It's the things that linger. It's the things that weigh heavy on you. Those are the things that we need to forgive for, not the things that we forget. Forgetting's not the test of whether you've forgotten. I know I've heard that. Forgive and forget. Okay, good. I think forgive and let go. But your mind is a computer that memorizes and takes pictures of the events of life. And those things tend to linger there. Forget If you make forgetting the test of forgiveness, half everything that happens to you, you'll never forgive. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is letting the person go in spite of the fact that I remember. <laughs> but, but, but forgiveness is not amnesia. Don't make forgetting the test on whether you've forgiven. Let me tell you what to make the test. Inner healing. I can remember what you did, but it doesn't hurt me anymore. If it doesn't hurt me anymore, then I've forgiven. I may be able to still pull my sleeve up and see the scar where you cut me, but it's not tender. I can poke it. It doesn't hurt. But I mean, I can see. I know it's there. I remember how I got it. But I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Forgiveness isn't forgetting. Forgiveness is healing. And, and maybe, maybe you'll always remember. There are some things that have been done to the people in this room that, that you'll remember the rest of your life. But don't legalistically hold over your head waiting to the day that you can really forgive because you've forgotten. <laughs> it, it, your, your mind and my mind don't operate like that. And it's, and it's uh, unrealistic 
And it's really legalism to try to push yourself to forget everything that ever happened. What you want to do is you want to reconcile with that person and connect with God in a way that those memories don't ruin your future and don't hurt you. That's what you want. So forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not agreeing that what the person did was right. Sometimes, sometimes emotionally, even when we don't realize it, we are holding on to something, and what we're holding on to is the reality that what was done was wrong. And we think if we let that person go, that'll be the same thing as agreeing that what they did was right. But, but be free today. Forgiveness is not agreement. It's not saying what you did to me was right. That's not what forgiveness is. And so there is a way in which you can say, a matter of fact, if what they did was right, once again, no forgiveness is needed. It's okay to be able to say what you did was wrong. Or what was done to me was wrong. And I never have to say that it was right. I don't ever have to say it was right. God wouldn't say it was right. Why would I have to say it? But, but, yes, I, apparently T-Mobile is the choice carrier for God. He's speaking today. But, I still am called to let that person go. So here's the thing. Forgiveness is not agreeing that what the person did is right or allowing or tolerating abusive and destructive behavior to continue in your life. Me forgiving you doesn't require me to submit myself to abuse. That's not forgiveness. I don't have to submit myself to destructive behavior from another person in order to forgive. Sometimes what I have to do is get far enough away from those destructive behavior that I can forgive. Because the wound just continues to be laid open again. And now we're not talking about a scar where I can remember. We're talking about a fresh wound that just keeps being cut again and again and again. And after a while now, I can't even keep up with how many times i got to forgive. I might have to back up far enough to get the distance that I need to actually forgive the person and not be submitted to that. So what is forgiveness? That's what, that's what forgiveness is not. What does forgiveness mean? <laughs> I, I had a... You, you ever have a throwback memory from a long time ago? It just jumps in your head from like, I think I remember that when I was like 12 or something. I had this strange memory... Uh, And I've got a little video clip I want to show you that will illustrate for us what forgiveness, what forgiveness is or is not. And it has to do with this. Do you know how to catch a monkey in Africa? Anybody know how they catch monkeys in Africa? Well, what they do is they they bait a little trap in an unusual way and they actually leverage... The monkey's desires against itself. It just, I just want to show you this little clip. It's kind of bizarre. 
But I want to illustrate this for you. Go ahead and play it. First, he laboriously drills a hole in a giant anteat when he is sure a baboon is watching him because he knows baboons are incurably inquisitive. Next, he puts some wild melon seeds into the hole and works them in so that they drop into a hollow. Then he saunters off knowing the baboon is burning with curiosity. The baboon doesn't trust that human being at all, so he plays it cool. But he's dying to know what gives in that confounded hole. Finally, Mr. Inquisitive can't take it any longer. He's got to know what's in there. He reaches in, grabs a fistful, and now his hand's too big to come out. If he had the sense to drop the seed, he could free his hand. Now he lets go when it's too late. I know you look at that and you say, that stupid monkey. Why does he trap himself? Unfortunately, there's been moments in my life that I look in the mirror and I say, why do I trap myself? A missionary's wife said to one of our teams years ago, the only things that can hurt you are the things that you won't let go of. All that little monkey has to do is open his hand and it's over. It's gone. But yet I have seen at times in my life and I have worked with people for years who just hold their hands like this and say, I cannot let go. And do you realize when you hold on, you hold on and fill your own life with poison. Unforgiveness poisons your soul. But yet... The only thing holding us there is us. Jesus has made it very clear. He's provided all the forgiveness we're ever going to need. And He's provided all the power we're ever going to need to forgive. And that doesn't mean it's easy. (laughs) It's simple. It doesn't mean it's easy. But that forgiveness is available to you. Forgiveness is letting go of what hurts you and what can hurt you. Why do we insist on holding on to things like it's almost like hugging a porcupine? Why do we hold it tighter and tighter and hold on to things that are toxic, things that break down our health, things that break down our life, our attitude, our relationship, our worship? Lewis Smead said this forgiveness is setting the prisoner free and discovering the prisoner's you. You know, you know, someone may have hurt you and that person's life seems somehow to go on. But the longer you hold, the tighter you hold, the more you just wall yourself in a prison and your life shrinks. What are we prisoners to? The need to punish the person. The need for the person to have consequences on their life that did what they did. 
Simplify to detoxify. I want to I uh, close with this story on February 9th, 1960. Probably someone's name you've heard of, although you may not know who he is. Adolf Coors III was kidnapped and held ransom. Seven months later, his body was found on a hillside and he'd been shot to death. His son, Adolf Coors IV, was 15 years old. He lost his, uh, his dad and he lost his best friend. And for years, Coors IV hated Joseph Corbett, the man that murdered his dad. He hated him. Joseph Corbett had been sentenced to life. In 1975, Ad Coors IV became a Christian. And he was heir and had received the legacy of the Coors beer industry. And he divested himself of his interest in the family business. But he couldn't divest himself of the hatred that he had in his heart. Joseph Corbett resentment seethed inside the toxicity filled his life and even though he had received Christ in his life it stunted his growth he was at a total dead end the day came though where Ad Coors walked into the prison claiming the spirit's power And he visited the maximum security unit of Colorado's Cannon City Penitentiary. And he talked with Corbett. He wanted to talk to Corbett. Corbett refused to see him. So Ad Coors left a Bible for Joseph Corbett. And he wrote inside the cover under the area that says presented to. He wrote an inscription that said this. I'm here to see you today, and I'm sorry that we could not meet. As a Christian, I'm summoned by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to forgive. I do forgive you, and I ask you to forgive me for the hatred I've held in my heart for years against you. Later, Ad Coors said, I have a love for that man that only Jesus Christ could put in my heart. What he did that day is he detoxified his life. He separated himself far enough from the poison that the pollution began to drain off his life. Everyone stand with me this morning. Here's what I want you to do as we prepare for prayer. I'm going to ask our staff and prayer team if you would come now. What I want you to do, what I want you to do is as you're standing with me, I want you to take both your hands and and I want you to ball them up and I want you to make them into a fist. Just, Just hold them like I'm holding mine. close them just keep them that way and close your eyes I want us to go to prayer this morning 
Forgiveness is letting go. And I want to ask you this morning, from, from whatever it was that happened, from whoever it happened by, in just a minute, I want to ask you to just symbolically open your hands. And when you do, I want you to believe by God's grace that you're going to let something go. You're going to let a person go. You're going to let an event go. You're going to let circumstances go. You're going to believe by faith that God is going to do something supernatural in your life that, frankly, you and I don't have the power to do. But you're going to trust Him for it. You're going to believe Him for it. And look, it, it, it may be, depending on how long ago and how bad it was, it may be a process. This may not be the end. This may be another step. And that's okay. This may be the beginning. And if you're here this morning and you, you, you're not sure if Jesus lives in your heart. If you're here this morning and you're not sure that all your sins have been forgiven. If you're not sure that you've received forgiveness from God. For all that you've done. At the same time. I want you. In just a moment. To open your hands. And let go. And invite Jesus into your heart. And just as your hands open. You say to him. Lord by faith today. I receive the forgiveness. That you died to give me in my life. And now I'm going to pray for you. And all at once. We're going to take this step together. And when you open your hands and you begin to let go, I want you to find your way to this prayer time. And we have couples here that are ready to work with you. Singles here that are ready to work with you. Men and women ready to pray. I want you just to open your hand and take a step of faith and walk, walk down. Nobody's going to embarrass you. Nobody's going to ask you to do anything you don't want to do. But just come down and we simply want to pray with you. We just want to pray and agree with you that this is going to be a moment sealed in heaven and God is going to use it to detoxify your life, to forgive you for the sins that you've done and forgive you for the things, allow you to forgive for the things that have happened to you. Today is a supernatural, divine appointment of healing. So Lord, today we stand in faith. And we believe that you have been walking across this room this entire morning. And you have been talking to hearts in a way that I could never. And you have connected with people in their soul. And now, Lord, you are going to work a miracle of forgiveness. Poison is going to begin to drain off. Toxicity is going to begin to leave. The burden and the stress and the fear and the anxiety and the compulsiveness and the brokenness is going to begin to be dealt with this morning as we open our hands and let go to you. In Jesus' name, Lord, we let go. Open your hands now.